The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. With news that the bees are packing it up for daybreak, what will become of the 13-acre baseball stadium in the middle of the ballpark neighborhood? The Ballpark Next Design Contest asked Salt Lakers to submit their best ideas. I went to the final presentation, and I'm giving you the skinny on how seriously the city is taking these proposals and which ideas are most inspiring. Lead producer Emily Means is in the host chair today. It's Wednesday, May 24th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Hello, host Ali Vallarta. Hello, lead producer Emily Means. I love being in the guest chair. I love this role reversal for us. It keeps things fresh, don't you think? Yeah, it does. So we sent you out on a reporting mission Mm. to learn more about the Ballpark Next proposals. What is Ballpark Next? We can't really talk about Ballpark Next without briefly setting up Ballpark Last, (laughs) which is... Set the scene. Earlier this year, most residents of our city were shocked with the news that the Larry Miller Group was packing up the Salt Lake Bees minor league baseball team and moving them to Daybreak, which is a planned sort of Pleasantville-esque community in South Jordan. It's probably 40 minutes south of Salt Lake City in pretty good traffic. And at the end of the day, like this has been really disruptive to the ballpark neighborhood or ballpark community because the ballpark has been there for 28 years. And so like this is kind of their anchor. But for the Millers, as a massive financial entity, This is kind of a decision that makes sense. They own the team. They own 1,300 acres in Daybreak. So basically, this means they can rent everything around the new ballpark there to businesses that will pay them rent. I mean, it's a license to print cash in a community that they've essentially built. But again, there's a lot of anxiety in the ballpark neighborhood now for residents and business owners because... You know, when you just pick up sort of the anchor item in a community and take it away, it leaves a 13-acre pit. So that was ballpark then. Yes, that was ballpark then. This is ballpark next. Yes. What's next in this community? Ballpark Next is a design competition hosted by the city that basically asks the question, what do we do now with this 13-acre site? Residents, developers, architecture students, all of you, please come together and give us your best ideas. And anyone can submit a proposal for what to do with the ballpark site. It is the actual ballpark stadium, the diamond. It's the parking lot across the street, across 1300. And then it's the fire station kind of to the left of the front of the ballpark stadium. That's, that's what we're working with. And What's interesting about the Ballpark Next competition is that there is a cash prize. So it breaks entrance into three categories. Residents, 
which you don't necessarily have to be a resident of the ballpark neighborhood, just a resident of Utah. The second category is students. So basically like design students, architecture students, urban planning students. And then the third category is professionals, a la developers, right? Like people who do this for a living. And there will be a winner in each category announced very soon now. The prize money is distributed as such. $5,000 for the resident winner, $10,000 for the student winner, and $15,000 for the professional winner. So, Allie, those are the three categories. But working within these categories, what were the parameters for these proposals? Honestly, Emily, very few. Very few requirements. What was interesting to me reading through sort of the website was not the requirements for entrance, but the stipulations for the city. And one piece in particular that I think is the most important, which is, hey, people, dream big. Like, give us your biggest, boldest idea. But know this, the city does not have to abide by the winner. This is a competition to get creative engines going, to get some ideas in the pot, to engage the community, right? This is a community engagement tool. The Uh city has said specifically they can use inspiration. They can take any ideas from any one proposal, whether it's a winner or a finalist or didn't even make the semifinals. Or the city could ignore every single one of them altogether moving forward. It's just a design competition. Well, that struck me as well, Allie, as I was reading through the proposals, because the applicants have likely put in quite a bit of work into these submissions, right? And... But the city can kind of take them or leave them. Yes. And there is a cash prize. Right. So if you win $15,000, then like it is worth the work. Right. I don't want to accuse the city of not hosting a competition properly because they are hosting a competition properly. But what they're not doing is they're not necessarily handing over the keys to the community and saying, here, design the new ballpark space. I can see the argument that, hey, this is an inspired form of community engagement. And I could see the argument that this is a bureaucratic decoy for actually doing what the community wants with this space. A bureaucratic decoy. Well, I mean, listen, it takes a long, long time for these sorts of proposals to make their ways through the halls of city government. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that the city might want to take a look at some of these submissions and what's inspired them and see what is possible within the confines of the bureaucratic process. Totally. (laughs) And so the way that this competition is going is that there are three rounds of voting. So a selection committee from the city looked at all of the proposals that they received when this closed, of which I'm told there were 132, okay? Wow. They whittled it down to 10 in each category. Again, the categories are residents, students, and professionals. Then a committee of ballpark residents and business owners got to look at those 30 proposals and choose three finalists in each category, which brings us to today, this moment where we are right now, is the public voting process. And that closes Thursday, May 25th, which is why you and I now have in front of us the nine finalists, three in each category. Anyone can vote on which proposal they like best in each category. So we get three votes. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Well, Allie, I am rubbing my hands together mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you and I individually dove into these proposals. Yes. So let's talk about our faves. I want you to go first. Oh, okay. <laughs> Unfair. Uh, hey, I'm Once the host Once a host, here, always okay? a host. <laughs> All right, let's start with the professional category. And Ali, I got to tell you that I am pretty darn biased in favor of this particular proposal because I feel like it was sold to us really well. So the one I'm going to pick is uh, from Tessa Arneson and team. It is the nation's first multi-sport women's athletics venue. Yeah. And we talked to Lacey Mile of the Utah Falcons National Championship women's football team right here in Salt Lake. Mm-hmm. And she really sold us on why it's so important to have a space for women athletes to play that's dedicated to their work as athletes. So I am totally invested in this particular proposal. It would also serve as a hub for locally owned small businesses. I love that idea as well. And they also hit all the buzzwords for me. Walkability, mixed use, pedestrian festival street, also resources like childcare, which, you know, was really important uh, if we've got parents on these sports teams that will be training at this hub. So that's my pick for the professional category. Okay, this is also my pick in the professional category. Mm. And I am also biased. But I think the other reason that I chose this one is that for me of I would say, actually, frankly, across all of the proposals, I think this has the biggest vision. Like, it's not just sort of looking at all the different pieces of this location and trying to figure out what to do with them. Mm -hmm. It is like a broad, neighborhood-wide sort of idea for what to anchor in this space. And that is the most interesting to me. Something I learned when they gave this presentation at the ballpark meeting on Monday is that if you look at this proposal, their proposal for the parking lot across the street from the ballpark is to have a parking area with a green roof and then a community green space, which is basically a public park, but it would be a privately owned public park. And you might be raising your eyebrows at that, but here's what I learned from the developer. If that were to become a publicly owned public park, then there are rules about what bars and restaurants you can have in what kind of proximity to it. Because never forget, Uh Utah liquor laws are, are waiting for us behind every corner. But if it is a privately owned, basically public park, then there can be bars and restaurants adjacent. Isn't that interesting? Oh, very strategic indeed. I'm into it. I'm into it. The one question with this proposal, because I feel like we can't just fangirl it, is the butts and seats question, right? If if we are going to retain this enormous baseball field-sized space and not have the pull of the bees, how do you fill those seats? Like, how does this she plays here, it's called space, build an audience? Because the community, the business owners, the residents would be relying pretty heavily on this team to really build an audience for them. Right. There has recently been 
a lot of hype around women's sports mm-hmm. nationally. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is something where they could just ride that wave and draw crowds to this stadium. Totally. I mean, look, the biggest vision is, if not always, often going to be also the biggest risk. And mm-hmm. I think that is sort of what this proposal is. But what do we have to lose, right? Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants, but the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments, so if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. Okay, let's move on to the next category, which is residents. Mm -hmm. And Allie, I mean, honestly, I was surprised. I thought it was supposed to be specific to ballpark residents. Did not know it was just, you live in Utah? Sure, <laughs> submit an application. Yeah. Um, but my pick for the resident category is Sky Garden by Oscar Arvitsu. Yeah, uh, same. And <laughs> I, oh, okay, cool. We're on the same wavelength mm-hmm. here. And I really liked this because it is all about bringing more green space into the city. And I think the ballpark neighborhood especially really needs this. So... I mean, right now it is the stadium which you need to pay to enter that is the primary green space in this neighborhood. But this proposal includes an elevated park, 
a greenhouse for year-round nature enjoyment, a sky bridge to what is currently the parking lot, and then we're also talking about some retail space, some restaurant space. That sort of stuff hits all the marks for me. Well, you know one of the things that caught my attention in this proposal is restrooms. (laughs) Public restrooms. Thank you. If there was a proposal that was only public restrooms, <laughs> we would be like, yes, implement immediately. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that would be honestly perfect. 13 acres of public restrooms. That's my dream. <laughs> yeah. I love a sloping rooftop garden a la the library in Vancouver, Canada. Like it's a very chic sort of modern look, but it also opens up the space in a really nice way. And I agree. The ballpark neighborhood is a neighborhood that could use a lot more green space. The other thing I like about this proposal is that it doesn't try to do too much. Like a lot of these proposals, as you parse through them, they are trying to do everything with this space. Mm -hmm. And this is fairly simple, right? Like you look at it and it's very easy to visualize. And also it gives you, again, that sort of like anchor piece in the community. Like, what is it? It is a garden. We are getting a community garden. So I agree. I know what you mean. I was into the sky garden concept. That was my favorite of the resident proposals. Yeah. Plus, it's got a nice ring to it. The sky garden. Um, Allie, good point about being able to visualize these things. Because as I was scrolling through and trying to dig into each of these proposals, I... (laughs) Yeah. a really hard time with some of them. And I was like, okay, but what exactly is it? Like, I'm seeing trails, I'm seeing connections, I'm seeing the option to have office space or whatever it is. But like, what is it? Yeah. So I, I will admit that like, the simpler the proposal, the better in my brain. Well, and that gets us to the student proposals. Let's dig in. I have to make a confession. I have no pick. <laughs> I was really surprised that the student proposals did not feel as creative or as upending necessarily as some of the professional or resident ones. They all played it pretty safe. And I have to wonder if that's maybe because this was part of their in-classroom learning. And so they're trying to apply the nuts and bolts of, you know, urban planning and architecture, That which, yeah. which at the end of the day, like, maybe these student proposals are actually closer to the kind of thing we're going to end up getting because mm, fair point. they do play it a little bit safer. They do sort of piecemeal it in a way that would, frankly, also probably allow for the construction of this new thing to take place in parts and not force an entire neighborhood to be under construction for like three years, right? But they all sort of give you a similar idea, which is here's where we could put some housing. Here's where we could put some offices. Here's where we could put a community space that we activate. And that does follow the model of the like ballpark neighborhood plan that the city gave people as a resource as part of this design competition. Mm. I don't know. Was there one that stood out to you? I did like these proposals, even though they are so familiar. I think maybe that's kind of what (laughs) resonated with me, too. Um, So my pick was The Ballpark by Nicholas Tate Barney Mm -hmm. at Utah State University. And it did have all those things you mentioned, like housing, uh, community space, those sorts of things. But 
what I appreciated was it referenced things that already existed. And so that did help me visualize it. So there was some inspiration drawn from Pike's Place Market in Seattle, Mm -hmm. which is like a huge tourist destination in Seattle, right? So you could see how that would light up economic development in this neighborhood. There was also an ice ribbon. Yes. And I'm never going to say no to an ice ribbon. I know. Okay. Mill Creek Commons just got an ice ribbon and it was delightful in the winter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think this is a perfectly nice proposal for this neighborhood. And I mean, why not? Why not try something that we know works? Yep. And I mean, Salt Lake City likes to take that approach. It feels like around so many different issues and ideas, members of our city have been sent as sort of envoys to other cities to look at what they're doing yeah. and, and bring back ideas. And so, yeah, I mean, the Pike Place sort of inspiration is is great. I, I'm with you. Sure. I'll I'll, I'll throw that one down. Wait, it's not like you're going to say no to a year-round market, Allie, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to say no to any of these. Well, I love that attitude. And it makes me wonder what the ballpark community (laughs) actually thinks about these proposals. And you, you did some reporting, you went to the ballpark community council meeting this week. What's your read on what residents think about these? Yeah, well, so there was one person in particular whose opinion I really wanted on all of these. And I've been thinking about this guy a lot ever since we got this announcement that the Millers are moving the bees and the ballpark. And that is Ron Lay. He is the co-owner of Lucky 13 Burgers, which is so iconic in this city. They have been right next door to the ballpark for 14 years, which is half the lifetime of the ballpark, okay? So I think in a lot of ways, Lucky 13 is ground zero for this transition. Like... And that is one reason that Ron Lay was selected also to be a member of the Ballpark Next committee. Mm. And I had to ask him just right off the top, like, are you worried about whatever proposal wins or whatever the city decides to do? Like, regardless, it's going to be a big change. Is that keeping you up at night? And he was like, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. We're not thrilled about the ballpark moving, but I am more worried about plans for the neighborhood in general. And it mm-hmm. seems like no matter what happens, we're going to be pushed out. Like, he is worried that all of these proposals don't provide adequate parking. He told me that he, he feels like this city is sort of operating under the assumption that no one's going to be owning a car in the next five years. And he's worried that a public transit alone sort of approach to that neighborhood is not going to drive the kind of business that he needs to come and eat burgers at his restaurant. Um, which could whittle down his clientele to just people who live in the neighborhood. Um, I asked him if they were scoping out other locations. He said, yeah, they have a favorable lease right now. They'll probably never find that again, but they're definitely keeping their ear to the ground to see if a good spot pops up somewhere else because riding this out is exhausting. Yeah. So when I asked him about the competition, he said, you know, he loves the idea. He thought it was a really cool opportunity to get some non-traditional proposals. And he's not sure that that's how it shook out. So one thing he mentioned is the way the process is designed, of course, the city got that 130 initial applications. And then they were responsible for whittling it down to, to 30, which they gave to the Ballpark Next committee. And so Ron was like, well... I got to tell you, I mean, it was a ton of work to go through just that 30 and make them nine. 
Allie, I'm not a, a resident of the ballpark community. I'm not a business owner there. Mm-hmm. But this community isn't a monolith. And I truly, like, not everyone is going to be happy with whatever goes totally. in this neighborhood, uh, you know, however many years down the road. A lot of the reporting that we get out of the ballpark is that people are feeling really feverish about the future of the neighborhood. I asked Ron Lay about the She Plays Here Women's Sports Complex proposal because it is my favorite. And so I had to get his take. And he said, I think it's a great idea. I actually gave that one pretty high marks, though I don't know how good it would be for my business. He's like, if you're building a training facility, like, do those athletes want to eat burgers every day after practice? Not necessarily. We get a lot of people through who are going to baseball games. The players don't eat here. (laughs) And yet... But, you know, the people attending the women's football games might just want a burger and a beer beforehand. True. But my point being that this is someone who has a lot at stake. And I think they're being really fair minded about whether or not a proposal is good for the future of the neighborhood, even if they might not feel that it's the best for the future of their business. And I think that is really meaningful contribution to this conversation that we don't necessarily get a lot when lines are drawn in the sand at a neighborhood meeting, for example. Okay, Ali. so you talked with Ron Lay from Lucky 13, but what are your takeaways from how the ballpark meeting went this week? So I went to the ballpark meeting on Monday night where every team in the finals gave their presentation. And these were sort of the key takeaways that I noticed. Hit me. One, Preserving the ballpark stadium or diamond or some kind of focal point seems to be what residents want. Like, it seems like people like the idea of an anchor thing, whether it's a museum or a garden or a concert venue or the shape of the stadium. The other thing I noticed is that this whole design competition has kind of raised the question of how do you build a city that has everything, right? Like it feels like a lot of people are approaching this contest as like this space could be a microcosm for what we want a city to be. So many of the presentations I sat through, it was like, it's a dog park, it's a skate park, there's a homeless shelter, there's housing, there's business, there are water features, there's concerts. Like (laughs) it just, it has everything. You know what I mean? Like, Like we're not missing anything. And is the city gonna look at that and worry that if we try and do too much, that it will actually just be too much and we won't do anything at all? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. And maybe there's a feeling that this is the last chance. Yes. You know? And so we need to do as much as we can with this space because when is the next time that the ballpark neighborhood will get this kind of investment? Yeah. And on that note, I would say the final thing that really filled the air in this meeting is this idea that, you know, the neighborhood needs fixing. This is our big chance, like you said, and everyone has their own idea for how to do that, right? Like the ballpark is dealing with a lot right now. And I, I do feel like I have called them the Marsha Brady of Salt Lake City. <laughs> this, I want you to know, ballpark, this is my sure, apology. Jan. This is my mea culpa, okay? They are dealing with a lot of crime, right? They're dealing with now an identity crisis, but everyone has their idea about what it would take to get everyone on the same page and to get everyone headed in you know, what they feel is the right direction. It's exhausting. But I think the most important point is that ballpark residents care deeply. 
They care deeply about their neighborhood. They care deeply about its future. And they're right. There is a lot at stake there. And I hope the city cares as much as they do. CityCast Salt Lake host Ali Vallarta, thank you so much for your excellent reporting on this. (laughs) And we'll see what happens ballpark next. We will see what happens next. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Go vote on your favorite three Ballpark Next proposals. You have until Thursday, May 25th to browse the finalists and get it done. I put the link in the show notes, or you can find it for yourself at ballparknext.com. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.